Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. We're here again with another study from the book of Haggai. I hope you have enjoyed these. I hope you've been following along, and I hope they've been a help to you. Today, we're going to start in Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month and the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Now, procrastination is presented here as sinful. That's something that we should all get into our hearts and minds and uh, let dictate the way we live our daily lives. God is not God is not happy with procrastination, but I would suggest that you're not happy with procrastination. We all we all get into this rut where we where we make it a part of our life only you know, hours later or days later or weeks later or, God forbid, months or years later, we find out we've wasted a lot of time. God's people were living as though knowing to do right and then not doing it was an acceptable proposition, and it's not. Again, if you, you've been saved any length of time, you know that that when when God has shown you something you're supposed to do in a way that you're supposed to live— and you don't do it, that, that's a sinful idea that, that does not make God happy. Procrastination eventually turns into amnesia, or at least willing ignorance. We elevate excuses to a level of importance equal to that of God's Word. That's a dangerous place to be mentally, emotionally, spiritually. When you've allowed your excuses to become equivalent to the Word of God and, and even to surpass the Word of God in value, you're in, you're in a dangerous place. That's where, you know, the, what, the idea of what we call backsliding, this is where that battle is. Are you going to allow what you want to do? Are you going to allow your emotions, your feelings, your desires to overtake the Word of God in your life? You're just going to slowly slide backwards and, and eventually out the church doors, maybe not to return ever or for, for years down the road, and we don't want to see that happen which then helps us institute selective amnesia. That's a convenient thing to have. It's a convenient uh, prognosis of the situation. God will be forgotten, but the gratification of our immediate desires never seem to follow the same course. It's only the Word of God that seemed to, to follow that course of, of selective amnesia. It's only what God has asked us to do that gets put on the, the, offer, the altar of sacrifice to, to, the, to the God of self, and we want to try to break that. Uh, Judah was rapidly, Judah had rapidly headed in that direction, and that's, that's where they were when Haggai found them. We often justify our lack of service to Christ by way of noting a lack of active self, uh, excuse me, a lack of active sinful activity in our lives. So what we do is we say, yeah, but I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't robbed a bank. <laughs> I haven't raped anybody. Well, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm happy. That is commendable. I'm so happy that you haven't done those things. 
but that's a very low bar. That's not that that is not what the Bible would have us to set as the standard. Uh, it it should be a given. <laughs> Uh, you know, it should be a given that you haven't killed anybody, you know, save a few instances of self-defense or going to war. You know, the, the, there are some, there are some biblical justifications to, to, you know, for some of those things, but um, to just note that I haven't robbed a bank. I mean, that, that, that doesn't justify your lack of witnessing. I haven't killed anyone. Yeah. But have you ever discipled anybody? Have you done anything to help further the gospel? Have you given to missions? Have you, have you, you know, are the same people wearing themselves out at your church and you don't come do anything? You know, there's so much more to it than, than what you're not doing. So we are given no insight into the moral life of Judah in the first chapter of Haggai, but the Lord rebukes their lack of service to him. He did not address idolatry, adultery, murder. The trouble here was that God's people were content to set God aside. And that's the road we don't want to travel down. And in, and in the busy lives, in the busy world, full of unbelievable distractions today, it's easy to set God aside. You know, we meet people, we talk to people who are, who are frustrated by their lack of service to God. But honestly, if you sat down and, and looked at it from a practical perspective, you've got things in your life that shouldn't be there, or at least don't need to be there, and, and those things could go and service to God could replace those things. If you looked at it from a practical matter and, and stopped, again, deceiving yourself and allowing yourself to make excuses for why you're not serving God, I, I, I'm certain we could find some ways to help you get busy for the Lord. It, it, it wouldn't be that difficult. Now, of course, we want to remove sin from our lives. That's, that's a, a good thing to do. But not doing what God has instructed us to do is sin. You see, you see the difference here? What we, again, what we do is we look at, you know, I'm not doing that. Well, that's good, but God instructed you to do this and you're not doing it. That's just as sinful as doing it. That's just as sinful as pornography or alcohol or, or fornication, adultery. God said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And somehow Christians have come become content with the idea that they cannot do that and God is okay with it. And, and that's not an acceptable proposition either. Uh, lost souls will not be saved by lack of alcoholic beverages in your life. It's a good thing that you don't drink. That's a biblical thing. God is very clear in the Bible. Um, you know, it, it, it goes without saying that we should abstain from wine or strong drink, but we should also be faithful to witness. <clears throat> you, you can't suggest to God when you, you, I mean, imagine standing before God in heaven and he's questioning the, the life that you live. You will be judged as a Christian for the life you lived as a Christian. Okay. Now imagine standing before God and, and God asking you, <laughs> you know, why, why didn't you serve me? And your response being, I, I didn't drink alcohol. <laughs> you had all these people in your life. Why don't you tell them about my son? I didn't murder anybody. You know, it just, it's a silly idea. And, and it's not going to be sufficient. And, and you know it's not going to be sufficient. And, and so the sooner we make corrections to these uh, useless thoughts, the, the sooner we can get busy serving the Lord. Um, it is... It is good and godly to remain faithful for a man to remain faithful to his wife. It is good and godly to, to, to be faithful. But if he fails to support missions, then sin lieth at the door. It, you know, again, you can't stand before God and he says, I gave you so much financially and you gave nothing to, the, to support missionaries. And you say, I was faithful to my wife. You know, it's, it's well, good. Praise the Lord. You should be faithful to your wife. Again, that should be a given. I don't understand how something of this sort becomes a matter of boasting. I didn't do something terrible. <laughs> so pat me on the back and give me some praise. Uh, that's just, we, we have set the bar so low that as, lo as long as you know that you're a man in, to, in, in the world today, you know, that, that's, Christians are just, they, they want to clap and thank God because you, you know that you're a man. Assuming you were born a biological male, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, if you know that you're a man and you were not born a biological male, I'm, I'm, you know, that's a problem. That's not good. And, and so we, we, we've gotten to the point, things are so crazy and things are so off track and off the rails that if you adhere to the most basic moral ideas, I mean, basic people, you expect people to, to praise you. You think you've accomplished something. You've arrived. And we're not gonna, we're not gonna be judged by that bar. You know, we're not gonna be judged by that bar. We, we know that the world's thinking is confusion. And so for us to brag that we're not as confused as the world, <laughs> and that's, that's not difficult. It's not difficult. If you have a Bible, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, you have a church, you have hymn music, you have all these things God's given you. It shouldn't be that complicated to confuse your gender, you know, to, or to not confuse your gender. It, the fact that you know which restroom to use, I mean, as in you know the correct restroom, because there is a right one and there is a wrong one. Um, that's not something to boast about. That, that should just be common sense. And so we've, we've come to a place where things are so out of whack that if you just know how to tie your shoes, people are excited. <laughs> you get a trophy, maybe even a gold medal. There are women in the Olympics. The sport they're participating in is throwing a hammer. I want to suggest to you that <laughs> if you go through life and your claim to fame is that you can throw a hammer, um, you know, it, it doesn't take much to become famous th these days. And it doesn't take much to be considered accomplished these days. The stranger you are, the goofy you are, the further out in the left field you are, uh, the more that you're, you're hailed. You can just claim to be anything. You can try and do everything's a sport. Anything and everything is a sport. You have entire leagues of people who play video games and they get paid a lot of money to play video games. Um, I, I'm not excited about the direction our world's headed in. That's, that's not a good thing. So God fully intends to be the center of people's lives. The Lord desires and deserves to be preeminent. But it is not sufficient for us to act as though the sin we do not commit somehow supersedes sin we do commit. They, they don't cancel each other out somehow. Uh, you got to have both sides of that coin correct. God expects that. Uh, you, you can't settle for... <laughs> I didn't kill anybody. Well, very good. Very good. I'm, I'm so happy for you. But you also didn't witness to anybody. So, you know, it, it's, you don't get to pick and choose which side of the coin you're going to try and adhere to. You got to keep up with the do's and you got to keep up with the don'ts. And, and it pleases God when we're faithful to those things. And, um, and so we want to pay attention to that. Judah was focused on their families, on themselves, on their own homes, rather than the Lord. And their excuse for allowing this attitude, the time has not come. That's a foolish notion. That is a foolish idea. Time doesn't come. Uh, time does not come. Time is continually fleeting. Time is leaving. It is exiting. It is, it is, it is going away. It is not coming. Now, the Bible does use this phrase often, the time has not come, or the time is come, or, or the time is coming, or the time is at hand. It uses a similar phrase, but there's a proper use for that idea, and Judah's use for that idea, and often your use and my use, it's incorrect. It's improper. It's wrong. Um, the proper use is meant to note a specific date on the calendar. Uh, if, you, if you suggested August 5th, you have an appointment on that date then you could say that time is coming. You, you have fixed a date. You have fixed a time. You have selected it. You have made it clear. You have made it known. And it, and it is coming. Okay? That makes sense. But if you've just got an idea in your head of something you'd like to accomplish, and you have, you have done nothing to pinpoint the date and the time for that idea, but you sit around saying, I hope the time comes for me to do that. That's the improper use of that, of that idea. You, you've got to pin down the time in order for you to suggest it's coming. 
If you don't pin down the time and you keep saying it's coming, what that is is an excuse not to do what you should be doing. I'd like to do it. It's just the time doesn't come. The time is never going to come. Time is always leaving. Even even for you to pinpoint a date and time on the calendar and for that time to arrive, time has to leave for you to get there. (laughs) The, The time between today and the date that you set in order for that event to take place, that time has to dissipate, has to go away in order for the day and time to come that you have set in stone that you're going to do something, that you're going to accomplish something. So we don't, we don't want to misuse um, our terminology. We want to use it properly. We want to use it in a way that pleases God. We want to use it in a way that facilitates our being faithful to the Lord. Now, Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 7 says, The morning is come unto thee, the morning, a specific time, not just some, uh, that you know, the time has not come. We're just, we'll just sit around here and kind of wait for the time to come for us to do something for God. A time will never come for you to do something for God if that's your attitude. It's not going to happen. We're just waiting for the Lord to show us what he wants us to do. Again, like you don't have a Bible that has any instruction or anything for it. He doesn't suggest anything for you to do in the word of God. Um, it's a silly notion. The morning has come unto thee. O thou that dwellest in the land, the time is come. The day of trouble is near, and not the sounding again of the mountains. So this is he's speaking in very specific terms. The morning, the time, the day. You've got to be specific. You can't just arbitrarily sit around and wait and hope that 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 time, which is continually fleeting, is gonna somehow start adding up. I mean, what are you going to save it? You're going to save it somewhere. And then, and then when it builds up to a certain amount, start to use it. No time is leaving. You're running out of time. And the more time you waste on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and, and TikTok and the endless number of social media sites and, and political programs and television and, and amusement parks and video games and the endless number of, of, entertainment that the world has provided to help you waste your time. You say there's not enough time for you to serve God. What if we looked at, what if one on your phone, your phones do these one, they do this thing now that's, it's, it's quite wonderful. It'll tell you how much time you're spending on a certain app. Would, would you like if we sat down and examined that together to see if you could find some time? Your phone will tell you every app you have open and how much time per day you have it open and you're using it. You're telling me you couldn't look at that alone and find time to do something to serve God? I guarantee you, you'll find some, some, some wasted moments built into those apps and they'll tell on you. <laughs> and so don't deceive yourself and don't waste your time. Time is precious. Life is precious. Souls going to hell are precious, so precious that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for them. And you can't do anything in this life here and now to help affect what's going to happen to those souls before they step out into eternity. We don't want to waste time. First Corinthians chapter seven, verses 29 through 31. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possessed not. Now listen, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. Uh, You can have all you want. The fashion of this world passeth away. You can collect all you want in this world. It's going to pass away. You can own, you can buy, you can marry, you can give in marriage. You can do all all that this world has to offer you. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't live life and enjoy life. But how did you get the idea that you can enjoy it? That's what Haggai is all about. How can you, how can you, how did you get the idea that you can enjoy life apart from the God who created it? We're miserable because we don't serve God, but we won't serve God because we don't think we have time. You have time. You're wasting that time. You're not prioritizing that time. 
No one can suggest they don't have time. Everybody's got the same amount of time. You have people in this world that, that work as, as, you know, the heads of companies and, and in engineering and the sciences and, and you name it. And man, they work their fingers to the, to the bone. But you can't find, you can't find that type of mentality to, to apply to something far more important, like lost souls, like service to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So I, I would suggest you have time. We have time. The church has time. What are we doing with that time? What matters to you? How are you prioritizing that time? So that, that's ultimately what it comes down to, and that's what we need to, that's what we need to root out and figure out and understand and, and make sure that we're doing all that we, all that we can to please God with the time that we have. Now, in contrast to that idea is the arbitrary statement of inactivity based on the idea that an unspecified time will suddenly appear. It's not going to happen. It's, that's, it's, a very, it's a very subjective, a very arbitrary mindset. It, it's a very shifty mindset. It, it, you have desires to do A, but you keep doing B, and, and B is not as important as A, but A might take a little bit more. A might be a little more contrary to, to what your flesh wants to do, and so you settle for B, only to find out hours and days and weeks and months down the road, you, you would wish you had done what you were supposed to be doing. We all have the same amount of time. What we choose to do with that time highlights our values. If we have been instructed by Almighty God how to use our time, and, he, and we have, it stands to reason our obedience to that instruction notes our level of concern for the things of God. God has been very clear in his word. I understand that there might be some areas of life where you would like a little more direction from God, and, and maybe you'll get it, maybe you won't. Maybe God will show you, maybe he's not going to show you. But that lack of, you know, little bit of knowledge of that little bit of space in your life, we allow that to paralyze us and cause us to do nothing. And that's inexcusable. Instead, you should stay busy serving God with what you know he wants you to do. Okay, maybe there's an area of your life where you're not sure. Okay, I, I can, I, I get that. But there are plenty of areas of your life where you're 100% sure, and you should double down on those until he makes the other area of your life clear. Instead, we shut everything down and we stop doing anything for God and we use that one little space that God hasn't shown us something as an excuse to do nothing. And that's, that, I'd like to see that go away. Do you have plans to serve God? Plans are good. There, there's nothing wrong with plans unless the plan becomes the stumbling block. Have you sat down and have you created a written plan with measurable goals. That's how you stop the plan from being a stumbling block. Okay, I want to do A, B, C, and D. How am I going to do A first? How can I measure if I'm moving in that direction? That direction? What can I do to, to, to bring it closer? What can I do to make it more valid, to make it more real, to make it accomplishable? And we don't do that. We just have these big, these big dreams of going to the moon and witnessing to aliens <laughs> And we don't know how in the world we're going to get there, though it seems that might, that might be a little more available here in the near future with, with all these trips to space. But I wouldn't count on that. <laughs> I wouldn't sit around waiting for an opportunity to leave Earth and go witness somewhere when you have people all around you that need to hear from you and you haven't lifted up your voice to them. Are you just hoping that someday God will move heaven and Earth to magically put you in a position to serve him? That's my antagonistic way of describing what you're doing. Instead, what they say is, God just hadn't given me peace about it. I just, you know, the, uh, the Lord hasn't led me. <laughs> he hasn't led you? Okay, the Lord hasn't led you to witness to anybody? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? That's not leading? That sounds pretty clear, pretty direct to me. So, we want to stop using what I call Christian procrastination 
and blaming God for it. He just, he just hadn't led me. I just don't have peace about witnessing to anybody. Really? I would set that idea aside. Because one thing you know clearly from the word of God is that he wants you out witnessing to people. That is unmistakable. There is no way you could suggest God does not want you using your mouth to tell people about Jesus Christ, wherever you are. Now, where you might be doing it five or 10 years down the road, okay, that, that might need some, some attention, that might need your prayer, that might need some direction from God, I get that. But you're doing nothing now because you don't know what God wants you to do five years from now? That's the problem. The time has not come. <laughs> Every moment we waste is lost forever. It's not coming back. And we can, we're not going to regain the time that is lost. It's gone. So the more we use our perception of lack as an excuse to set aside our service to God, the more lost souls will be plunged into hell. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 33 through 34. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness. And sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. This shame will not be lessened by excusing ourselves. Have you considered souls in the torments of hell while you excuse your responsibility to preach to them? I just don't have the time. Well, now, now that lost soul that you could have preached to is in hell outside of time, in eternity. It's not purgatory. He has no second chance. Now, whether your preaching to him would have saved him or not, whether your preaching to him would have helped him or not, it would have helped. Whether he, he, whether he received it or not, well, that's up to him. But for that man to go to hell without you giving them a proper witness, that's, it's shameful on your part and on my part. You know, I, I have hit on several points up till now about the insanity of this world. And we would all agree that this world is insane. Gender confusion, uh, communism, racism, all, all, I mean, there's every area, area of life that we've been battling with for who knows how long now. It, it all, it, it just all, it just came right back. It goes away for a little while and it comes right back in a way that you wouldn't even imagine, from people you wouldn't even imagine. Could you imagine calling you, you know, being a proponent of anti-racism and using racism to try and defeat racism? The world is insane. They have lost their minds. They have not the knowledge of God. God looks at you and he looks at me and he says, I speak this to your shame. It's your fault. They don't know. It's your fault they don't understand. And while you and I sit around very cavalierly, just, I don't have time. If I just had time, <laughs> if I just had time, that guy burning in hell, maybe I could have given him the God. Sorry, I just didn't have time. Oh, you have the time. You're not prioritizing that time. Now, Let's consider this from another perspective, this problem that Judah has. Haggai 1 verse 2, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, this people say, this people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Now, in their estimation, the time they were suspensefully awaiting <laughs> was time to build God's house. That's odd. If you're in your right mind, can you think of a time when service to God should be legitimately put aside? Can you think of, can you think of something else that should be prioritized over your service to God? Ask yourself this. In my life, what priorities exist that are more important than my service to Jesus Christ? Sit down with a pen and paper, write priority Jesus Christ, serving Christ on one side, and on the other side, write all your other priorities, and then just go one by one and note which one of these priorities is more important than service to Jesus Christ. They're sitting around waiting for a time to serve God. 
I don't know. It's, we're just waiting for it to come. I mean, if it would come, we would do it. If it ever gets here, we'll do it. But right now, I just, just, just not here. Don't know where it is. Waiting for that time to come. When would service to God be unacceptable? Let's take it a step further. When would it be acceptable to use time as an excuse to disobey a direct command from God? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Sorry, Lord, I don't have time to do that. <laughs> Lord, if you would re- rearrange my life and get rid of responsibilities that exist, wh- what responsibilities would that be? Marriage? Who made you get married? Children? Who forced you to have children? A job? Is somebody forcing you to work that job? Now, none of these things are bad things. But when they are prioritized over your service to Jesus Christ, you've, you've got a problem. You've got an imbalance. It's, it's, in, it's in, in essence, it's idolatry. And so all these things are priorities. But how, how does your, your job get the top priority? Because that's probably where you spend most of your time. That's probably who gets the most of your attention. And then let's say if you don't have video games in your house and movies in your house and and whatever else has stolen your attention, let's say maybe your family gets second priority. And then you have something else third, you have something else fourth. And then if there's a few minutes here and there, you try to squeeze in a little bit of God. That is not good. That is a problem. You know, it's it, we, we forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Sorry, Lord, <laughs> I have a job. I have this. I have that. Now, you know, a house, a mortgage. Somebody force you to take that on. Now, if these things are already there, you've already made the decision to get yourself into these entanglements. Okay. But you need to reorder your life so that God gets the place that he deserves as you work on these other entanglements, which should not be entanglements. They should facilitate a, a, a joyful and, 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 and proper life dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. But instead, those things become idols. They become, they, they steal our time. We, we, we have to set God aside to go take care of all these other priorities that we've gotten, that we got ourselves into. And God gets pushed to the side and, 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 uh, doesn't get what he deserves. Now, this rebuke in the book of Haggai should help us understand God's attitude towards his people wasting the time he has given them. And it, it is a rebuke and it is an improper attitude. Now, what is the proper attitude towards these things? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 and 17. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. That's twice we've, we've seen that, that idea. Awake to righteousness. Now he's saying, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. In many areas of the world, we recognize the days are evil. That's easy to see. That is so easy to see. You've got your, your children have transgender people dressed in lingerie reading books to them. We are well into evil days. A confused man who thinks he's a woman dressed in, in the most disgusting manner you can imagine, sitting down with your precious children, reading books to them. Books, the book itself is probably problematic, I'm sure. But that, that kind of is overtaken by the unbelievably ridiculous human being sitting there reading the book. It's, it's disgusting. The days are evil. But as we sit around comfortable, the reason, we, the reason these things can happen is because life in America is so comfortable. Life is so good, we have to make up problems. 
Otherwise, you go to Russia, these things aren't allowed. In Uganda, I'm in Uganda right now. And Uganda is punishable by life in prison if you get caught in multiple homosexual relationships. It's only in, in the West where life is so good and so comfortable that you have the liberty to be so confused. It, it's, a, it's an extreme form of misuse of that liberty. But we are instructed not to be unwise, and we are instructed to understand the will of God. Understand the will of God. Where would you find out what the will of God is? It's not, it's not going to be some external revelation outside the word of God. The will of God is in the word of God. <laughs> you've got to get in that book and you've got to find out what God wants and what God expects. And you've got to do it. We've all got to do it. We are, we are all responsible. Now, Colossians 4 verses 5 through 6 Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. We want to redeem the time. What a beautiful phrase. I mean, think about that. Redeeming the time. You have wasted enough time. Now it is time to buy it back. It's time to purchase your time back. You do that with your labor. You do that with your faithfulness. You do that with prioritizing things correctly. Redeem the time. Christ redeemed you. You've wasted, you've wasted enough time. It's time for all of us to make uh, preparation to break loose from ungodly entanglements and redeem the time. We ought to know how to answer every man. One of the best things you can do with your time is learn how to answer other men. Learn how to give an answer for the hope that is within you. That is the best thing you could do with your time here and now. Wasting time the way that we do, it's, it's ungodly, it's, it's insufficient, and it is cause for a lot of souls to go to hell. And, and that's on many levels. It's on the individual level. Your wasting time, your, your refusal to do what God has asked you to do has caused people that you know that are within your circle of influence to die and to go to hell. Okay, then, then there is your participation in worldwide missions, whether it's your going or whether it's your giving or your lack of either. So you don't give. Well, now this missionary who could have gone to some foreign land, who could have gone to the uttermost parts of the earth and preached the gospel, cannot go. Because not only do you not give, but you lack the faithfulness to maintain the giving that you might promise to, to, to participate in. And so we've got to set this missionary aside. You know, if we get the money, we'll, we'll call you back. Otherwise, sorry. We don't have enough people who are, who are willing to redeem the time. We don't have enough people that are willing to stop saying, I, I would give more, but the time has not come. I would go be a missionary, but the time has not come. I would witness to my neighbor, but, you know, the time just, just never seems to come. There's so much I would do for God if God would just reorganize the life that I have set up. If God would reprioritize for me the choices I have made, well, then I would have time and I'd be able to do these wonderful things for God. That's not how it works. You got married. You had children. You got the mortgage. You got the house. You go to the football games. You watch the television. You play the video games. You're the one making choices on, on what to do with your time. It's, it's you and it's me. They have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. It's your fault. It's your shame. It's my fault. It's my shame. It's easy to criticize the insanity of this world. It is, at this point, it's unbelievably easy. It couldn't be easier. On on every front, we, we, we have the insanity of the, of the everyday liberal. That's just a, I mean, that, 
they are so far gone. <laughs> in Old Testament times, they probably would have been executed. It's, it's really bad. I don't know how, I don't know how you get multiple generations of people to come back from the insanity they have died, they have gone into. Our country, America is, <laughs> let's just say I'm not that optimistic. Sorry. But then you have the, the, what is called the conservative party. We now have homosexuals in the conservative party. We now have people advocating to legalize marijuana and, and heroin and, and other forms of drugs in the conservative party. We have transgender people in the conservative party. What is, what is conservative about it? Well, because they want limited government and believe in the Constitution and we're supposed to be okay with this? Okay, let's take it even a step further. You have the church. You have pastors now advocating for critical race theory. You have, you have pastors telling you that you should apologize for your white privilege. Uh, you, you have the Southern Baptist Convention, members of the Southern Baptist Convention preaching um, homosexual-friendly sermons. They've thrown out all standards. I read of a pastor recently who, who threw out all the standards in his church. He, he began a fundamental Bible-believing preacher, as far as I know. Threw out all the standards in his church... And recently on Facebook, of all places. Now, if my life had become a mess based on my choices, I'm not telling you about it on Facebook. I'm not telling anybody about it. I'm going to go try to fix it. He cheated on his wife, but she stayed with him. He didn't perceive that it was necessary to tell his church he cheated on his wife. He, he continued to pastor his very liberal, you know, uh, Redemption Church, Bridge Church, Breeze Church, Cross Church, <laughs> what, whatever. He didn't feel the need to, to tell his church what he had done. And then he turned to alcohol to help uh, facilitate correcting the matter. I guess that wasn't a problem for him or his church either. Uh, his wife stayed with him only for him two years later to cheat on her again. Now she's leaving him. And he thought that that was, he thought that, that the entire world needed him to post this entire situation on Facebook. He, he's supposed to be a Christian. <laughs> That's Christianity in America. You've lost your minds. This needs to be reversed, and it's going to take people who can listen to what I'm saying right now, who can, who can as best they can find it palatable, receive it, repent of any waste of time in your life, and get, it, get your little area of, of influence back on track. Get in a Bible-believing church with a pastor who's not going to get involved in this ridiculous garbage and preach the word of God. Win souls to Christ, teach them the word of God, spread the gospel, give to missions, go be a missionary, go be a pastor, plant churches, help men who are planting churches, do everything you can right now to saturate this world with the word of God. A lack of focus on this, a lack of participation in this, and it's, it's damning, it's damaging the world has fallen apart. The world has fallen apart. It's going to hell rapidly. And Christians want to sit around and argue about Black Lives Matter. A communist organization that has nothing to do with black lives. It has everything to do with the implementation of a, of a communistic, socialistic, economical system in which your religious freedoms will be stripped from you and you and everybody else under Black Lives Matter will turn into economic slaves at their directives. You'll do what they dictate. Not because some sort of racial justice needs to be implemented, but because they hate capitalism and they hate the nuclear family and they hate God and they hate Christians and they hate white people. They, it's, it's a little sleight of hand. We're going to substitute class with race and we're going to use this sore spot in American society to help implement 
communism, collectivism. We're going to get rid of your constitution. We're going to get rid of your rights. Now, these are wonderful things to have. They're not guaranteed us by God. I know know the document says that. (laughs) But at no other point in history did anybody ever live the way Americans have lived. And because nobody had the time to maintain it or to take care of it or to care for it, we spent our time watching the propaganda on television. You spent your time watching dancing. I didn't do this. I didn't. This is one area where I can, I can separate myself a little bit. <laughs> now you could find 20 other areas where I have problems and, and I, I'm okay with that. I understand that. But people sat around watching Dancing with the Stars, American Idol, football, football with the same athletes right now that can't stand your flag and can't stand your skin color and can't stand to see you or to to see you live freely. Basketball, same thing. You've got a multi-millionaire, maybe even a billionaire in LeBron James whining and crying about social injustice. He's got enough money. He could fix it overnight if he wanted to, but he doesn't want to. That's not the goal. The goal is to implement the, the, uh, the economic doctrines of his close friends, communist China. Now, many of you are going to be tempted to hear this and think, okay, yeah, we got, we got to, we got to get a political base charged up. No, that's the problem. You thought politics was going to solve these problems. And you've been too focused, you got too, you, you threw all your eggs in the Donald Trump basket or the Republican basket or the conservative basket, and it's been a total disaster. Preaching the gospel, Bible-believing churches, Bible-believing missionaries, the word of God, that's the solution. That's what's going to fix this. So maybe you've noticed the confusion in which our world has engulfed itself. Is there no solution? Is, is there no way to fix any of this for anybody? And I'm not even talking on a national level, just on an individual level. Is there nothing that could help these people? Did Christ not die for the sins of the world? Then are there no Christians willing to rightly divide their time in such a way to prioritize the souls of men? Souls made valuable by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We all make time for work. We all make time for our interests. What work are you interested in doing? What, what is it you want to give your time to? How are you going to prioritize the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you going to sit around with Judah? The time has not come. If I just had time, if it would just come, If we could just figure out when God wanted us to do this, if we could just figure out how God wanted us to do this, I mean, it's not like he left behind an awfully big book full of instruction. Now, I I know I'm being antagonistic, but it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see people who can be so dedicated to so many things and then say, if I just had time for God. You've got time for something. You're using your time for something. You're giving your time to something or someone. And if it's not Jesus Christ, it's an inordinate affection. It's idolatry. And it needs to be repented of and it needs to be corrected. This is, this is serious. We're in a serious battle here for, for the, against the ideologies of this world. And they are moving fast on. And we are, we as Christians, as Bible believing Christians, we're getting left way behind. We made ourselves irrelevant to the world. Now we need to make that relevance renowned. They need to hear from us. They don't need to hear from us in, in, at political conventions. And, and if, if you're going to a political ven- convention, it should be to stand outside and preach the gospel to the people waiting in line to get in. Not to go join the political convention as though politics is what's going to fix this world. I've said many times, 
conservative and Republican politicians use Christians the way liberal Democratic politicians use black people. They just need your vote to help them get in. And then when they get in, they forget all about you and your agenda. They don't care about you. Now, we've had a few politicians in recent years that cared enough to make some some winks and some nods in our direction. And then you did nothing with it. We did nothing to get the gospel out under a president who, who went further than any president has in a long time to expand our freedom to do so. We just got excited looking at Twitter feeds and Fox News instead of going out into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature, instead of using the freedom, the liberty, the most powerful economy the world has ever known, instead of using those things to spread the gospel, and I'm talking as a whole, nationally, we did little to nothing. Now, Americans are unbelievably giving. American Christians are unbelievably giving. But we can't focus on politics and focus on sports and focus on everything else in the world and throw a few dollars at, at something Christ-like as, as a supplement for being all in for the Great Commission and all in for building churches and all in for serving in our local church and all in for getting the gospel around the world. It takes full dedication to these things. Not this partial, half-hearted, I'll throw a few minutes here and there and a few dollars here and there at it. Not that, that's not going to cut it. We need dedicated, Bible-believing Christians to, to put your hand to the, to the plow and don't look back. Let's go serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's do it together. Let's do it faithfully. Let's do it right. Let's be pleasing to our God Let's not have him have to send a prophet to stick his finger in our chest to say, you've been saying you don't have time to do what I told you to do and what I gave you the time to do. So we got to get these things squared away. We got to get these things straightened out. So that is Haggai chapter one, verses one through two. Thank you for listening. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.